This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is part two of my chat with Dr. Valerie Libby from Shady Grove Fertility. This is the second of a series of three episodes. So if you haven't listened to the first one yet, go back one episode and then come back to this one. Thanks so much for listening and welcome back. The upside means living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Upside with Callie and Jeff. I want to talk about where I am right now, just so I can give an example of kind of the process, because I think one of my girlfriends brought this to my attention, and it's so true. When you're not getting pregnant, calling a fertility specialist seems like I'm going to have to do IVF. I'm going to have to take the shots. I'm going to have to do the thing. I have to mentally prepare myself for Mm -hmm. this. And that is really quite far down the line of what you guys do. So I think that if I say out loud that I can talk about what I'm about to do, then we could talk about it, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, So basically what we're going to start doing, and I'm going to be totally candid about this because there was, you know, a lot of stuff that Dr. Libby and I talked about. And then I talked to Jeff about it and I wish that there were videos to capture every man, every man that has to hear what they have to do on their part of it. Yeah. Um, when you told them what they had to do, because they like turn a lot of them. And I'm sure this is, you know, I have a great partner. Jeff's amazing. But his face, he was like, okay, that that's a lot of stuff. I'm like, okay, so let's take a step back. And I called Dr. Libby's office and I was like, okay. So I don't know if Jeff's there quite yet. Like I can get him on board, but can we start with a couple of things with me just to get the process started without waiting, without him being, having to think about, okay, we need a sperm sample and all of that. Because I know for guys, it's like a whole psychological thing, um, for them. So I was like, let's, and her office was like, yep, 100%. Absolutely. Call us on the first day of your cycle. So what happens for me now? So we, the first process after like the cycle starts, what do we do? I call your office and then what? I know there's like, I think we're about ready to do like a dye test. Yeah. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what are we doing in our first little like intro to infertility, yeah. figuring out my body thing? Right. So we want to look at those three areas of infertility. So with the woman, the first two areas, the eggs and the anatomy. So what we're checking on you is number one, um, the the egg situation. So we're going to do an AMH level and a, and a day three lab. So those levels tell- it's blood it, test, right? Blood test. Those okay. tell me, yeah, how close you are to menopause, how many eggs you have left. Mm-hmm. We also check your thyroid and your prolactin hormones that tell me that your ovulation is not affected by that at all. Because um, sometimes that can somewhat relate, um, be related to your infertility. Um, the other thing that we check, then we, then we kind of transition to anatomy. So with your anatomy, we start with looking at your fallopian tubes to make sure they're open. And so what we do for that is you come into our office, we do something called an x-ray dye test, also known as a hysterosalpingogram or an HSG. Well, that sounds very fancy. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, (laughs) 
But basically you come into our office, um, usually around day 10 of your period or so, and you lay down on a, on a table and then we put a speculum inside um, and we inject dye into your uterus and take an x-ray image. And if we, as long as we see the dye flow out of your tubes, we know that they're open. If we don't see it flow out of one tube, that tube is closed. If we don't see it flow out of the other, you know. So we can tell if both or one or none of your tubes are open. Um, And that's really amazing. So that's a very important test because you could be ovulating every month. Your husband could have sperm, but they could, they could not reach each other because your tubes could be closed. Mm -hmm. So that's an important test. It's called an x-ray dye test or an HSG. Um, It is a little bit crampy. So definitely take some uh, Advil or Motrin before you come in. Um, But that's x-ray dye test. The next thing that we do in general for the first evaluation, if I'm not jumping to IVF for some reason, is just a regular transvaginal ultrasound. So it's a probe that goes in yeah, the Yeah, and when I when she says <laughs> probe, I'm just going to tell you the biggest <laughs> surprise of my life was going into my first ultrasound when I was pregnant with Ellie and realizing that they literally like alien probe you with this thing that's like it was so big I was not expecting it and I I didn't know they did that I because on movies you always see the cute belly ultrasounds and then all that's of a true. sudden it's like yeah no this is it's I'm not even going to lie to you it's pretty invasive, <laughs> but like you're covered. So it's just like weird seeing it. Yeah. Like before it happens. And then you're like, okay. And it's not like, it's not uncomfortable while it's happening. It's just, I don't let that shock anybody else because I was capital S shocked. <laughs> I was like, this is how they do this. Um, yeah, it's a thing. But anyway, so yeah. So, okay. A transvaginal ultrasound. Yes. A transvaginal ultrasound. And we'll look at the general shape of the uterine cavity to notice if there are any large things like big fibroids, um, or, you know, anything else going on. We'll look a little bit at the lining of the uterus. Um, and then mostly we'll look at your ovaries. We'll make sure obviously you have both of your ovaries and we'll count the number of little eggs or antral follicles. And that will also be an indication of your fertility and how close you are to menopause, how many eggs you have left. So, um, if I, if I'm worried that you may have something inside the cavity of your uterus, like if you've had a C-section before, or if you have abnormal bleeding, or if you have a history of uterine fibroids or something, then I'll add on a special test called a saline ultrasound, which is a transvaginal ultrasound. But at the same time, we inject water into the uterus to open up the cavity to make sure. Have you ever had that done yourself? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. I want to know what people say, how how it feels. They say, yeah, of course. I talked to them about it. So basically with the x-ray test where they're injecting the dye and the saline ultrasound where they're injecting just water, the x-ray dye test is is apparently a little bit more painful. It it feels like a a quick cramp, like a Mm -hmm. very, like a severe cramp. And it may persist for a couple of minutes just because your body is like, oh my God, what just happened? Yeah. Um, So that's why I say take like 600 milligrams of Advil or Motrin before an hour before you come in. Um, And then the saline is supposed to be less, less, less uncomfortable. So a little bit, a little bit less. Okay. But it is weird. The one thing is, is like sometimes when you do an x-ray dye test, for example, you can get so tense when the, the, the dye goes in just mm-hmm. all of a sudden that the muscles of your fallopian tubes can close oh, and weird. it can look like your tubes are closed. So I know that as a physician, if I see someone that has bilateral proximal, which means both of their sides 
close in are closed at at this at I'm at the HSG, I'm not going to assume that both of their tubes are closed. I'm going to do it. the test again with Valium, a muscle relaxer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we all need the Valium. Yeah, anyways. Before yeah. any fertility special like appointment, we just all yeah. need the Valium. I feel like everyone listening to this is probably like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. we need that. <laughs> um, that's so neat. Okay, so pending that everything is like totally fine. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm 36. Dr. Libby and I have already talked about this. Um, everything's fine. Can't see anything. We want to keep getting pregnant. Are you telling us to keep trying on our own? Or do you think we talked about a drug and I did not know this before, but there's a drug they can give you called Clomid, Mm -hmm. which would be like another step perhaps in a fertility journey. Um, that from what I understand, does that make you like hyper ovulate? Like you're super fertile. Yeah. Well, yeah. So sort of, yeah. Like, so basically, you know, every, every month we're supposed to release one egg a month. Mm -hmm. And so if you're already releasing an egg a month and the sperm's good, your tubes are open, everything looks normal. You have something called unexplained infertility. Mm -hmm. And the, what usually happens in those couples is there's a little bit of woman problem and a little bit of man problem. Mm -hmm. So you're already releasing an egg every month. So we got to increase that to maybe two or three eggs a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Our goal is not to have twins or triplets. Our goal is have one healthy baby at a time, but we do that by actually growing more than one egg a month, as well as injecting sperm into your uterus at the time when you're ovulating, which we will know and detect by these blood tests and ultrasound looking at the follicles growing. And so basically, yeah. you. How many people after getting Clomid, like do people routinely have multiples? So the rate of multiples with Clomid and Letrozole, which is a similar medicine of or, an oral pill that you take to grow more than one egg a month, is about 8 to 9%. The, weight, the rate of twins. The rate of triplets is about 3%. So the rate in the general population is definitely <laughs> makes, less. Makes me sweat. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we do close monitoring. We, you okay. know, when you come in for an ultrasound and I see more than f- five or more eggs growing, I'm going to say, okay, Callie, you cannot have sex. We're not going to inject the sperm. But honestly, if I see less than five eggs growing, you'll probably only just have one baby. Okay. And then there, God, that's so cool that you can tell that. Mm-hmm. And then there was something else we talked about because I've had a chemical pregnancy. I've had a miscarriage before. There's something that you can give women to kind of essentially, and I'm really dumbing this down from what you said in our in our consult, keep women pregnant like how does that work? Like, how do you keep someone pregnant? Is that ensuring that it stays in, it doesn't shed? Yeah. Yeah. So just like going back to that little, you know, quick biology session we did with the, you know, the egg growing for the first two weeks, releasing estrogen. And then Mm -hmm. after two weeks of growing and it's ovulated and then it starts releasing progesterone, which acts as glue to the lining of your uterus to make sure that you don't have your period early and you don't shed a, a, a pregnancy. So what we do is after you, after we tell you to have sex, after you ovulate or after we inject the sperm into your uterus with an IUI, you take vaginal progesterone. Oh, okay. And so that just helps keep the baby inside. Then you do a pregnancy test two weeks later. Um, and if it's negative, you stop the progesterone and you have a period. If the, if the pregnancy test is positive, you continue the progesterone throughout your first trimester hoping that it will prevent an early miscarriage from happening unless you have an abnormal pregnancy, like a chromosome Like something's abnormal. wrong with the baby. It should still have a miscarriage on mm-hmm. its own. And you'll also get the non-invasive testing with your OBGYN in your first trimester just to make sure that your baby is chromosomally normal as well. Um, when Here's one thing I didn't know until we went through this, like trying to get pregnant the first time and then the miscarriage and stuff like that. Usually when you get pregnant um, – 
I think it's typical for your OBGYN to say, okay, we'll see you after eight weeks. To someone struggling with infertility, eight weeks is terrifying. That is like a lifetime when you're worried that it's all going to go away tomorrow. If you're a patient of like yours, for example, and you have a patient that's newly pregnant, do they come see you before eight weeks? Do they, what's the handholding process? Because I assume it's probably a little bit different if you're closely monitoring. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. So, so let's say we get a positive pregnancy test on you via blood test. Mm -hmm. You'll come in two days later. We'll verify that it's increasing appropriately. Um, and then you'll, we'll schedule an ultrasound between five and six weeks, which is way earlier than the OB ever does the ultrasound. And then if that's normal, you come in again for another ultrasound two weeks later. So around seven to eight weeks. And if that's normal and everything's been normal, then we'll say you can graduate and make an appointment with your OBGYN in the next one to two weeks. If for some reason they can't fit you in, we'll bring you in again. Um, but typically you come to see us until about eight weeks when your OBGYN wants to see you at that point. Got it. Um, let's do some more questions. Oh, this is a good one. Do you think infertility is more common now or do we just talk about it more? (laughs) I think both. Um, I do think that, you know, first of all, people are, women are getting older when they're having the first child. So yeah, like our grandparents at like 18, 19, 20. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yeah. So like a lot, so that, so we're not alone. There are lots of older women getting pregnant. Um, and that makes it harder to get pregnant, um, and also have more miscarriages. Um, we're definitely, um, definitely are, are eating. There's different things in our environment that can affect our fertility. There's not like hard, really good science on it, but basically things like, you know, how we learned that like microwaving plastics and mm-hmm. drinking water bottles that are plastic and like doing all that, that can affect the quality of the eggs a little bit. Okay. That's not like the reason why someone's infertile. But it might be a lot of tiny little choices that we're not totally sure about, but it could be like environmental. Yeah. There are some like environmental things. Um, But I also just think that every, because we have access to infertility doctors more now, there's Mm -hmm. access is growing, which is amazing. Now we are more aware of infertility. Also, people are more open to talking about it. So like, you know about it now, like there are so many women that never talked about it that now talk about it. Yeah. And it's it's in the last decade, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just crazy how people were so uncomfortable and now everyone's like, oh my gosh, did you see your fertility doctor? Did you, you know, like, it's like normal. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, how much does lifestyle impact getting pregnant? Like diet, exercise, weight, like how important really are those things? Yeah. So weight is very important. Um, I would say, and that's more on the extremes of your weight. So if, so there's something that we look at with regards to weight, it's called BMI, body Mm -hmm. mass index. Um, it's kilograms divided by your height. Um, so basically with that information, we can tell kind of what you're like, like what things would cause you to not get pregnant. So if you have a low BMI, very low, then what happens usually like less than 18, like if you have, um, anorexia or, you know, you're just, your body's not getting enough nutrition, then your brain can stop working. And basically it it goes into like sort of this little menopause episode mm-hmm. that it, you don't ovulate on your own. Mm-hmm. So you'll usually see the signal of that by not having periods on your own. So you might need help with that by by taking some injection medicines that will substitute for the same hormones that your body releases. Um, or also just gain weight because it's important to be a normal, healthy body weight in mm-hmm. pregnancy. Then if you have a BMI over um, 30, 35, 
the, that's when things start increasing with regards infertility due to your weight. So you can um, decrease your ability to ovulate or release eggs every month because there are um, insulin receptors like inside your ovaries that can affect the way your body grows eggs every month. And sometimes women that are really overweight, um, they don't grow eggs at all. And they, they usually have something called polycystic ovary syndrome. And if they lose just 5% of their body weight, they'll start actually growing eggs every month and having their period on their own just by losing weight. Yeah. So definitely being in a normal weight is important. Obviously, Things like smoking cigarettes that um, can decrease your age of menopause by a couple of years, two to three years, if you smoke cigarettes regularly. regularly. Um, and then just, you know, eating healthy and avoiding, you know, you don't want to – alcohol, they say, like, more than two drinks a day, you know, not, not a great idea. Um, so – just, you know, being mindful of just a healthy lifestyle, exercise, that kind of stuff is important. Um, okay. If you used fertility treatments for baby one, should you try without treatments for number two? Do you tell people to immediately come in or do you tell them to to try on their own? Yeah. So I guess it depends on what you did with your – what why you needed the fertility treatment and what tr- treatment you actually needed. So let's say you needed fertility treatment because your husband had a vasectomy, mm-hmm. okay? And the only way we could get sperm on him was through going – was by going in his testicles and extracting the sperm. Yes. There is no way you're going to get pregnant right, without. Right. <laughs> okay. So if you're someone like me that's like, you know, you needed Clomid or you needed like yeah. something further down the line. But it, it is possible to have treatment, fertility treatments on your first and then get pregnant on your Absolutely. Own. Absolutely. And I'll, t- and I'll talk to them and I'll say let's – and often I'll say let's – you know, let's think of if you have – if your tubes are open and you got pregnant, you know, using Clomid the first time – um, let's check your egg count and see where you're at now, now that you're 38 or whatever. Um, let's try a few months on your own, but know that now that you're older than 35, there's an increased risk of miscarriage. So there's always an option of going straight to IVF, in vitro fertilization, with an embryo biopsy to make sure you de- – to decrease the chance of miscarriage because you biopsy the embryo before we put it back inside your uterus. So you're basically, basically finding out that it's – healthy before as opposed to like your body saying, is this healthy? Is it not healthy? Yeah. Okay. It's not healthy. So we're going to, you know, miscarry. Yeah. Miscarry. It's instead saying, so IVF is putting a healthy embryo that you've already tested that you Mm -hmm. already know is a good one and like attaching it. Exactly. If you choose to do that part of IVF, the embryo biopsy, which you definitely do not have to do, but if you choose to do that, it decreases, it eliminates your age-related fertility problem, which is the egg quality, because egg quality leads to chromosome abnormality, which leads to miscarriage. There are Mm -hmm. so many other reasons why you can have miscarriages or not failed implantation, but it eliminates that. Correct. What is the – if someone's looking for a surrogate, like they've been told by their doctor that they can't help carry their own child, um, do you guys help like through that process of like – getting someone's eggs, even if they can't carry it and then helping them find a surrogate? Like, is that something that you guys- For sure, for sure. Scope of what you do? Yeah. So if they can use their own eggs, um, then obviously we would help them by doing IVF on them and then finding a surrogate, you know, to carry their eggs and their husband's, you know, sperm or donor sperm. Um, If they want to, if they can not only do not, cannot carry the pregnancy, but also cannot create the eggs for that 
pregnancy, then we, you know, have this amazing donor egg program. So obviously yeah. we'll hook you up with those. And then as far as the surrogacy, we use a, sur there, there's lots of surrogacy companies around the United States. Um, we tend to like this one in Georgia, it's called mm -hmm. Southern surrogacy that a lot of, a lot of fertility practices use. And it's great. And they basically, it's a, it's a company that, um, provides you the surrogate as well as the legal contracts that you'll need to go through with, um, when, with regards to having a surrogate. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then the surrogate will come to me. We will put the embryo inside the surrogate and monitor the pregnancy just like we would if she was our patient. And then, surrogates are amazing. Yeah, I it mean, is. angels. On oh my earth. gosh. Like that is just incredible. We have so a patient, um, a, a front desk, someone that works at our front desk, who's like so sweet. She's had three babies already of her own and she loves being pregnant and loves helping people. And she's like, all right, give me your babies. She's already been a surrogate and she's going to be a surrogate again. That's and she's amazing. like amazing. I know. It's seriously, I feel like that is a calling. Like you have to be a special kind of person yeah. to want to do that. But the people that do, I'm like, you just, it's, true. it's oh my gosh, it's, it's such a selfless, yes. amazing thing. Um, how much does family history play a role? Yeah, a lot. Um, so one of the reasons why I started freezing my eggs so young was because my mom was young when she had menopause. She was 43. That's not too young, but anything under 40 is young. So the normal age of menopause is 51. So if your mom went through menopause at a certain age, you're probably going to go through it at a similar age. What about like um, things like miscarriages? Like I know my mom had a miscarriage before me. I had one before Ellie. Does that mm -hmm. mean that at some point Ellie has a higher likely that higher likelihood of having a miscarriage too? Just one miscarriage? No. But okay. if you have recurrent pregnancy loss where you have two or more miscarriages, then um, it depends on what, if you found any etiology for that. So like, let's say we found out that your mom and you both carry this antiphospholipid antibody, which basically forms these tiny little blood clots that go to the placenta that make it, you know, have it become a miscarriage. So it decreases the blood supply to the placenta and, the, and you have miscarriages. So we know how to combat that by giving you blood thinners throughout your pregnancy. But yes, if your mom had that, you know, antibody form, then you may have an increased risk of that as well. Okay. If you have a uterine anomaly, like an abnormally shaped uterus, um, just there are other things that, yeah, it can so, be passed on. Got it. This is a good one. What do I need to know about trying to conceive over the age of 35? And please preach it because I <laughs> I need to hear this too because we're like in the throes of it. Like what's, yeah, what's important to know when you're 35 and you're you're trying to get pregnant? Yeah. So first of all, know that you're not alone. And luckily the age of your first pregnancy is getting older. Um, and also know that the definition of infertility when you're 35 or older or 35 to 40 is if you've been trying after six months and have it for six months and haven't been able to. So if that's the case, hundred percent, go see a fertility doctor, let them help you. Okay. Um, at, or sooner if you just want to be evaluated. Okay. The next thing to know is that it, um, at, like I mentioned earlier, our egg quality declines with age and our egg number. So we have an increased rate of chromosome abnormalities and miscarriages. Um, so you become so high risk. So you, it's harder to get pregnant. Okay. Okay. So you can have more miscarriages. You also have a higher risk pregnancy, like I said, because of increased risk of diabetes and high blood pressure and C-sections mm -hmm. and stuff as an older woman being pregnant. So just know that. But for me as a fertility specialist, I am more concerned with it's going to be harder to get you pregnant. Also, if you do get pregnant on your own, um, then 
or, or, or with medicines without doing IVF with that embryo biopsy thing, you have a risk of having a baby with a chromosome abnormality. So you'll definitely want to do the non-invasive prenatal screening with your OBGYN where they take your blood tests around 10, 11 weeks and make sure that, you know, your baby doesn't have, uh, down, you know, increased risk of down mm-hmm. syndrome and the other large chromosomal abnormalities. And then they'll do a targeted ultrasound on you. Um, when you're, you know, farther along in your pregnancy, just to make sure there's nothing else they missed, you know? Um, but I I will say one of the benefits of, um, being what they call geriatric, which I'm (laughs) sorry, that was literally on my medical form. I'm like, no woman came up with that term. Like, no, definitely not. No, absolutely (laughs) not. Um, but is that you often your OBGYN, when you get to a certain age, will have you go see a specialist that will just like, make sure everything is okay. And I'm totally blanking on, yeah, a high risk OB doctor. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her MFM, maternal fetal medicine? Yeah, what's her um, Georgia perinatal consultant? Yes. Okay. Oh, so what's perinatal Shulman? specialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Dr. Schulman, um, <laughs> she was my friend Rachel in high school. Now she's Dr. <laughs> Schulman. She's a perinatal specialist. So the, I tell people that one of the coolest things about getting pregnant later in your life is that they watch you like a hawk, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Because to my shock. Most people in their pregnancies get one ultrasound like at 22 weeks and you just are left to your own devices. And that is insane to me. Um, but if you are a little bit older with a perinatal specialist and they're keeping an eye on you and the baby, you get more fun ultrasounds, not yeah. the transvaginal ones, like the belly ones, the cute ones where they get to like see, see the baby. Yeah. Um, so if you are a little bit older, like that's a cool that is thing a cool, too. That's like a just cool being perk. able to like, that's the cool perk of like being higher risk <laughs> is they take really good care of you and they keep their eyes on you at all times. And yeah. Are at-home fertility tests accurate? Um, yeah. So like the, obvi- like, I, I there's was, like a bunch of stuff. I yeah. get ads for them on social media all the time. Like you can tell, oh, like, so I think you, you mean like, okay, not ovulation, but like the, yes. The, are you fertile? Are you fertile? Um, yeah. So it, I would say there are, you know, I, I'm sure there are some that are not accurate. Um, but in general, it will give you an idea, but if you go to a fertility doctor, that will be the most accurate. So if you're already paying for a meal, a male, like send in your blood thing, just go ahead and see a fertility doctor and have them draw your blood. So, you know, it's like more accurate. Um, unexplained infertility. Um, how do you have any idea like where the research is on that? Like are people studying that and Mm -hmm. why? Cause there's some unexplained fertility as I understand it is everything looks good, Mm -hmm. but you're just not getting pregnant. Yeah. And I know that that happens to a lot, of a lot of women. Yeah, like yeah. 30%. So, yeah. So, unexplained infertility is very common. They've done a lot of research on it. Um, it is very upsetting because you don't know why. But the good thing is that they've done a lot of randomized control trials on couples with unexplained infertility and found that the best way to treat them is by combining a little bit of help for the woman with that Clomid medicine and a little bit of help for the men with an intrauterine insemination of the sperm. And that combination should get you pregnant by at least by, by, by three months of, of that. And if you're not pregnant after three months of doing that and you have unexplained infertility, it's more financially beneficial for you to jump to in vitro fertilization rather than doing more cycles because your mm-hmm. chance of actually getting pregnant after three cycles that didn't work is very, very low. Yeah. So cool. All mm-hmm. of this stuff. Okay. What else? Um, how quickly can you try to get pregnant after a miscarriage? 
pretty quickly. I mean, it depends on how far along you were in your miscarriage. Um, but we generally say like, we want your HCG, your, your pregnancy test level to be all the way down to zero so that we know that there's no residual pregnancy tissue inside of your uterus. Cause then let's say there is, and it's, and it can actually end up causing cancer. Sometimes it's like a very rare thing and we can't, and then you get pregnant. We cannot monitor if your pregnancy test level is due to that prior pregnancy or due to a new one. So we want your HCD to be zero. Usually takes one full period and then you can, and then you can try again. Now, so when you get the all clear from a doctor, like after you've had a miscarriage, they're like, okay, your HCG levels are zero. Then that would be a safe time. Yes. To okay. When your doctor says it's safe. Yeah. Um, were you going to say something else on that? Um, just if like they have, if they had a DNC that was, you know, uh, led to like, they needed a DNC from their miscarriage mm-hmm. that led to like a lot of bleeding or anything that they're concerned with that had developed in the cavity of the uterus from that miscarriage. And they want to just make sure before getting pregnant that, again, that that you don't have the tissue remaining in there. They may want to do that saline ultrasound, the special ultrasound, looking in the cavity first. What um, advice do you have, if any, for women who are trying to get pregnant that know that they have polycystic ovarian syndrome, like PCOS? P- yeah, PCOS. Yeah, PCOS. Like, yeah. what do you – do you have – is there any special advice, like – should if you know you have that and you are about to start trying to have a baby, do you see a fertility specialist on the very front end? Um, yeah. So I would say um, some women with women with PCOS um, end up ovulating just normally on their own, meaning they still have regular periods. So you can try to get pregnant on your own with just like regular intercourse and you know all of that stuff. But do not waste any time if you have PCOS or going to see a doctor. If you want to go see a fertility specialist, just go see them because we deal with PCOS patients every single day. Yeah. So the general instructions are for PCOS patients that, again, if you if you are not ovulating every month and you're not, you know, have which usually happens with PCOS patients, we have to give you a pill. That pill is actually called letrozole. Works very similar to lead to Clomid. Um, and then you just have sex. You don't need the IUI part because the main problem with you is usually ovulation if you have PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, you want to work on weight loss, eating healthy, um, and uh, making sure that you're you have no other yeah. And so if there's nothing that there's nothing else going on. So um, if we want to check that you don't have diabetes as well um, before going into pregnancy, and women with PCOS do have an increased risk of diabetes, so we'll check that. Um, there are certain diets that PCOS patients, you know, need to kind of follow in order to lose weight because it's harder to lose weight if you have PCOS. Mm-hmm. So, um, there are special nutritionists that I send my patients to that deal with PCOS patients primarily, but in general, they tell them avoid anything white. So of course, avoid sugar, avoid white bread, avoid, you know, all the white mm-hmm. things. Cause that can make it really hard to lose weight if you have PCOS. Okay. Two more questions. Okay. One is thoughts on acupuncture. Yeah. So I, I've heard great things from my patients. I think that it's, you know, it's really helped some of my patients, whether it's just mentally, you know, helps them or if it actually physically may help the process. I, I I don't know. The studies have not shown that any effect of acupuncture, like significantly correlated with improvement in outcome. However, my patients love it. And I know that it does not hurt. And here's the thing is like, I feel like to a certain extent, and maybe you you know, I know I'm sure that you have experience like this is all we've been talking about this stuff very factually, but it's so mentally and emotionally tough. Yeah. And like, if it doesn't hurt, 
you know, do you see, it may just be, you know, someone was telling me the other day, like there are some things that you do because you have to do something. Right. Like you need something. So it's not harmful. Right. Is what you're saying. It's definitely not harmful. There are some great acupuncturists and some of my patients swear by them. Yeah. And I think it's great. I don't think it hurts at all. Um, there are some that I send my patients to that they just love. So yeah. definitely, I, I don't think that it hurts. And what's a good way, if you know, to support people that are going through IVF? Um, emotionally. Emotionally, yeah. Um, so if you know someone going through IVF, just, I think, you just listening to them um, and saying that you're there for them and letting them know that, you know, if they need anything that you can help them um, and, you know, letting them know that you're not, they're not alone if you've been through a similar experience at all. Um, and just know that, you know, it's, it's emotionally a lot for them um, and that you're just there for them, I think, you know. Are there a lot of tears in your in your office. Um, Not tears of like sad results, but tears just feeling like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's why just the it, process. It's yes. just, it's not that it's a hard process. And I think it's so much easier when you have someone holding your hand that's like, we do this. There's always options. There's, we'll just do like the next thing that we can. Um, but just, you know, in someone that messaged me was like, I think about picking up call a fertility specialist and I just immediately burst into tears. I'm just so, it's just, there's so much of an emotional component to all of For this. Sure. Um, but the thing is, is like women are picking up that phone and calling that have n are not even infertile and have been trying for like a day. So by you just spending the time crying and being sad about it, all you're doing is hurting yourself. Pick up the phone is what you're saying. Pick up the pick phone. Pick up the phone. Just pick up the it's phone. It's not silly. It's not silly. It's not scary. It's not It's not anything. It's, Don't do it alone. Yeah. Don't do it alone. If yeah. you're scared, if you're nervous, if you want to know what your egg count is, Just, if you want to know more about your body, like pick up the phone. The worst call. thing will be regretting not having done it sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I kind of regret it not calling sooner. And the last one, I know I said last one, but then I forgot about the guys. Okay. Are there things that when you're trying to get pregnant that guys should be doing on their end? Or is it kind of just like, we'll see when we test? Yeah. So, I mean, important things for guys is like, definitely be open to testing. Like you, mm -hmm. like your woman is going to go through so much. Like you need to check your sperm out. Okay. First of all, because mm -hmm. you don't know, you could be ejaculating every day, nothing, literally yeah. Nothing. I think they call that shooting blanks. Blanks, yeah. Yeah. So that it happens all the time. These men think they're normal and fine and they're they have sperm, but they don't. Mm -hmm. So get evaluated, first of all. Um, it's very, it's very easy. You just get a cup, your wife will bring it to you. you but can, you do it in the comfort of your own home, right? You, you can't, yeah. Like drive we, it to the we office. used to do it in the office. Um just because it's easy to just give it to our people. Yeah. And we have like collection rooms. But with COVID and everything, we've started to let people just do it at home and it's easier. Which is probably like me mentally nicer. I think it is. Yeah. And yeah. so then the wife just brings it in. They don't yeah. feel like, you know. Um, and then we just look under a microscope, we look at it. And then um, other things for the men is basically like we talked about, you know, um, if you're having infertility, not having sex or ejaculating every single day, you know, spacing it out. Um, and then avoiding like, a, you know, alcohol, like a lot of alcohol, mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, cigarettes can affect sperm, cigars can affect sperm, vaping can affect sperm, you know, those things like just know that and, you know, you may not want to do that when you're trying to get pregnant. 
For more information on Dr. Libby or Shady Grove Fertility, they have offices in 11 states, by the way. You can find her on Instagram at Valerie Libby, L-I-B-B-Y-M-D, or visit ShadyGroveFertility.com. Thank you for listening to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Most people learn about The Upside from their friends. Please tell everyone you know about this podcast so the amazing Upside community can continue to grow. And one last thing. We would love to stay in touch with you by text. Text the word UPSIDE to 800-434-5454 and then save it in your phone as Callie and Jeff.